right, guys. I'm so excited to have this next comedian. We literally met while waiting in line for 20 hours at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. Um, he's a really funny comedian, very talented singer, songwriter. Um, I feel like, um, oh, I'll tell you guys later. But welcome the very uh, hilarious, very poetic, very musical, Richie Sheehy. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty all right. How are you doing? Yeah, doing awesome. So you're actually in Dublin now, and you're, you told me I, you took it. Huh? No, go ahead. Continue. I am in Dublin. Okay, awesome. Um, and you took two edibles on the plane, so hopefully this interview will also be hilarious. But I know it's going to be hilarious because you... Uh, but yeah, we met, like, literally in line. Um, <laughs> it was hilarious. I'm so glad we got to talk to each other because I would have been dead uh, by the end of it because we, we look like L.A. homeless people. And uh, I'm sure yeah, we're we're also we're surrounded by uh, weirdos and and homeless people. Uh, <laughs> like, like we were kind of the weirdos. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I mean, there was a guy who was dressed as a as a cowboy clown. Um, he was dressed in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, uh, wearing a clown face paint, and he had a blow up sex doll. And there was another guy who. <laughs> Waiting since 3 a.m. Even though you really only need to get there at about 1 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't think we can be considered the weirdos, you know. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now you make me feel better. Great. Uh, okay. So do people tell you you look like Ginger Harry Potter? Um. Okay. So this is this is a funny one because uh, I'm not ginger. I, I mean, I have the ginger gene. I have a bit of ginger in my beard, but my hair is brown. Um, oh, sorry. Well, I have been told. You're what? Sorry, white people all look the same to me. Ah, right. I thought you might have some fucking... I actually have <laughs> been told a lot that I look like Harry Potter. You do, though. That yeah, is I true. do, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it you was a lot more when I was a teenager because I think I looked a bit more like him then. I, I'm, I'm kind of pissed off because I'm the same age. So I'm like, shit, maybe <laughs> I should have uh, went for that audition. <laughs> you should. I mean, you should just capitalize on that and then get girls that way. I mean, that's... Exactly. I mean, I'd, I'd, be, yeah. I'd probably still be on your podcast, but in a much different role, I'd be an actual millionaire, you know? I know. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, do you feel like being uh, Jenny Weasley tonight? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see my wand? <laughs> Please do a routine on this. Uh, the world needs to see it. Um, okay, so... Um, how did you start comedy and songwriting? Uh, right. So songwriting, actually, I mean, since I was about four, I was just singing songs uh, that I made up. And they're actually all terrible. I still remember some of them. They're so bad. They make no sense because I was a child, you know. Um, so I was just singing the data all the time. And I was in bands and kind of songwriting. I was writing terrible pop songs when I was like 18 and shit. And then I had like a writer's block. Uh, because I started developing a better taste in music, uh, but I could still only write, you know, songs about unrequited teenage love. So, uh, you know, aimed at a target market of 16-year-old girls. So uh, I had a writer's block then because I couldn't write anything better, but I had better taste. And then I kind of started writing comedy because I was like, at least, at least if you write comedy, it's all a joke. Whereas if you write mm -hmm. real music and it's utterly pathetic, <laughs> then, <laughs> you know... Yeah. So my and then my first gig was uh I kinda had two kind of start dates in comedy, but my first gig was extremely random. Um 
I was just playing a song I'd written about Ireland's cannabis laws at the time uh, at a house party. And at the house party was uh, the manager of a guy called Howard Marks. Uh, Howard Marks is now dead, but he was like an Oxford graduate who at one point controlled an eighth of the world's weed and hash supply. Wow. He went to jail uh, in America. Uh, he served nine years of a 25-year sentence, came out, wrote a best-selling book, and wow. then there's a Hollywood movie made about him called Mr. Nice. So then I was asked if I wanted to play that song before Howard Marks' gigs in Ireland. Wow. So I, <laughs> so my first gigs were actually like to to you know sold out four or five hundred seater venues. Um, they were like my wow. first five gigs. Uh, and I was only I was just doing like I did I'd written like I wrote another song so I wrote two comedy songs and then I played like a song that's actually um, it's just a normal fucking Ben Harper burn one down a kind of righteous about smoking weed song and uh, and then yeah that was it like then I was I, I was like living in Amsterdam and I was there for about a year thinking fuck they actually went well maybe yeah. I should do comedy you know yeah. That's amazing. What an amazing interest. This is probably the best interest story I've heard. That's great. Um, so what's the comedy scene like in uh, Ireland? Uh, it, it's good. Like, it, it, like there's, the standard is incredibly high. Uh, obviously, you, you know, there's obviously bad comics too, but there's, uh, there is a very high standard. It's kind of like in Europe, I suppose London is kind of considered the epicenter. And then you have like Edinburgh is very important because of the festival. Yeah. Uh, but the UK is all kind of a bit connected. Uh, and then Ireland is the kind of only other one that's like a bit like is in, you know, if you're in Dublin and you're doing really, really well, you're still a little bit connected to the UK. You know, you mm. still could potentially get noticed. Like, but re- realistically, most people maybe get really good in Dublin and then either they like being the big fish in Dublin or mm. they go and try break London, you know, like yeah. the standard is incredibly high. Um, Different scenes are different. Like, I just came from the Cork scene. All the comedians there have really good relationships with each other. We all kind of help mm-hmm. each other out. Dublin's a bit more um, uh, cliquey, you know? Um, yeah. Which is, I mean, you know, in, in some ways it might have to be because, you know, there's so many extra comics. And, you yes. know, uh, you know Dub- Dub- Dublin, like, is a lovely place to live. There's a lot of great gigs, a lot of great comics, but... Uh, I mean, you just have to know what gigs are good and what gigs are bad, you know? Yes, yeah, exactly. And I feel like it's kind of like in the U.S. too, like L.A. is like the mecca, and then everyone else is kind of like spread out. But I, I get you, yeah, the clicky thing and like, you know, smaller communities band together. But um, yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I, it makes sense for sure. U.S. and Dublin the best of times. Yeah. So what do you think of L.A.? Um, I've, I've mixed mixed opinions. I, I, I both love it and hate it. I mean, I don't hate it, but uh, yeah. if I was to move there, which I am considering, I would uh, like I I I I'd have to probably avoid some elements. I mean, like mm-hmm. it's so much more extreme than Ireland. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was over there, I met a lot of cool people. I met a lot of people, you know, trying to do comedy or trying to do something else that you can just talk to straight off the bat and get along with, and that are normal. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I goddamn <laughs> the amount of people, the amount of absolutely crazy fucking people, or people bringing yes. this fucking weird energy. Um, yeah. Like no, I, I, I honestly say, I, I met an equal amount of normal people and crazy people. And I mean, in Ireland, it's much more rare to meet the crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But I so, think well, people mm-hmm. probably move to LA with delusions. 
Yeah, exactly. I feel like the city just attracts this type of person because that's what the city is, and it just snowballs from there. That makes sense. So, it is, and the thing is too, like Ireland as well. Uh, you can't get too big for your boots. As in, if you start having an ego in Ireland, we'll we'll pull you back down and be like, "Don't you fucking dare!" <laughs> you know, you're yeah. as bad as the rest of us. Pop the fuck on. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, it's kind of like China, but like America is like. You're supposed to be as arrogant as possible so that people can even take you seriously. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting mix. So um yeah, so what so you performed at Laugh Factory and then you went to the comedy store. Like, what were your thoughts on these two places performing there? Um, well, I mean, to be honest, like, uh, since I was just there for a week, I said I'll I'll do this whole Laugh Factory experience just to see what it's it's like, you know. Uh, yeah. And I mean. In reality, like if I was living there, I I wouldn't really do that gig uh, unless I was booked on one of the much bigger shows there. Because like it's not it's not really a, like it's you're you're playing a gig to a room full of comedians, you know, um, who are just going to be thinking about their set or whatever. There's a couple of normal crowd members, all right. But uh, I mean, it was cool standing on the stage and doing it. It was it was more of a tourist thing for me to do, like a tourist comedian thing. I wouldn't really consider it. I mean, like. Um, the hanging out at this comedy store was was awesome. That it, it feels there's an energy to that place, and you you know that yeah. there's so much history. Um, yeah. the La- like the Laugh Factory was a cool place, but uh, I mean, I the best part of the Laugh Factory experience was uh was seeing the people who queue outside, and <laughs> you know, yeah. I, like I, I honestly think like I mean maybe UK I think UK TV might go for this. Irish TV is. It's just it's called RTE the broadcaster and they're they're dumb as fuck. Uh, <laughs> but like it would, I know for a fact if they sent a comedian out to LA and made them do these uh, these gigs and maybe with like hidden cameras in yeah. their clothes, uh, you'd get unbelievable material. I think you get unbelievable footage, uh, <laughs> and it would be very very interesting because to us in Europe it would seem very extreme. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> the guy, the guy to to my right, uh, all day. The guy, guy from New York who who cleaned the microphone and then made it disappear, uh, like David Copperfield <laughs> is what he said. David Copperfield, um, that dude, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, he was burning the ear off me, talking absolute nonsense for about an hour uh, before fucking you arrived. Uh, Jesus, it was like I was wondering when he would actually stop. I won't put me and uh, Shamir. Shamir was like getting it from the other side, and I was getting it from there. We we looked at each other. We just looked at each other, and we we're like, please. We just like laughed, laughed at each other, and kind of had solace in the fact that we both had to listen to crazies, you know? Because there's that there's that uh, obese dude, the obese Jewish yes. guy that was next to Shamir. That was when he yeah. chimed in. God, he talked shit, you know? Yeah, he did. Oh my god, this is hilarious! I wish I, yeah, I wish I recorded that day. That was amazing. Um, okay, so you also have a day job. So what is that like working your day job and doing comedy? Uh, well, I don't really have a day job. I do, but I don't. In well, the sense that uh, I'm going, I'm going I'm to be starting a proper job in probably September in digital marketing for like years. I'm going to use that to get a professional hopefully professional visa if, if I want to I might move to London or uh but and then, and then potentially try to get transferred to New York or, or LA professionally if I can but yeah. I, I I play music 
uh, on the streets of Dublin um, to make money. Uh, as well as like, I mean, I do like freelance graphic design and animation. Um, I uh, I kind of that's how I make my monies. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mainly book. Which so I mean, it's it's so easy. I mean, it's easy in the sense that I can just choose when I want to do it. Um, you know, and just go out for an hour or two, and then you know, at any time of the day. So it's it's you know, it's pretty fucking sweet, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. So. Um... How, you got like a million views on a video, so that was very impressive to me. Can you tell our listeners like how you achieved that? Yeah, I mean, I don't really. Uh, I got well, a lot more than a million, but uh, it depends on what you're counting yeah. it on. How, how got, much was like, it? Yeah, sorry, I forgot. How much was it? Four million. No, so on. So the thing is, it was it was re-uploaded a lot of times by different accounts, uh, and I let them do that because I was playing a character. Uh, and I felt that if people knew that it came from a comedian, it wouldn't be as funny. So I kind of didn't mind all the assholes uh, re-uploading it and taking credit, you know. Um, so if you count the YouTube views between the different videos, there's like 21 million on that. But if you count Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and YouTube, it's it, like I stopped. I like I, at one point I like went through them and got to more than a hundred million, and then and that was like two three months after it, and it's two years ago. So I I, I just stopped then. So I'd say it's obviously after teetering off. It's probably about a hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's well, amazing. Oh yeah, and how, how? Um, so we actually did uh, a lot of classes on viral videos um, in digital oh. marketing. And, oh, wow. um, I mean, the reality is uh, it was, it was a lot of, obviously there's always luck involved, but it was, uh, it came from, it, it was, a, it was something, it was a joke right in the moment. It was, it was based on like a football, uh, you know, Liverpool had just sold who uh, at the time their best player. So I was pretending to be a Liverpool fan. Well, I am a Liverpool fan, but I was pretending to be this very sad Liverpool fan uh, mm-hmm. who was trying to be optimistic. And he wrote a song mm-hmm. for Liverpool to sing about the players they still had. And it was all—it was just kind of tragic comedy because you know this guy is such a sad person. Um, but I think it, like the reason it really went big is because—and this is like in viral videos in general—you uh, need like what they'd now call influencers, but in the, in the literature, they'd say tastemakers. Uh, mm. You need someone to catch onto it and, and yes. reshare it to make mm-hmm. it basically spike. Uh, yes. And that happened for me. I mean, I, I put it out. And I, I mean, I, was, I put it out for my friends. Um, and then it was like, I woke up the next morning and there was a, like a, a Liverpool fan site had shared it. And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger for the next few days. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, then, and then on the Saturday, I was like on like UK live TV, uh, soccer AM and then when, when that went out it kind of made it explode worldwide you know mm-hmm. um, so I what I would say is uh, how I did it I mean I suppose targeting a niche group but that is really big you know especially mm-hmm. something that is tribal such as football in the sense that like people are like oh this is fucking I'm a Liverpool fan let's share this uh, mm-hmm. but also yeah. my video was my video was accessible to all fans because right. Liverpool fans like to pro Liverpool but non Liverpool right. fans like because they're like look at the state yeah. of this guy who is a Liverpool yes. fan. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And as, as well as that, another thing actually about viral videos in general, and this is generally true across most, is that uh, a video that people can do their own version of. So like mm. uh that helps the sharing because like as soon yes. as I put mine out and it started getting big, 
there was mm-hmm. just, I mean, there was even like a babe station is like a phone sex hotline uh, <laughs> that, that's like on TV. And like they did their version of it. There was, there was like literally fans of other clubs. There was like, like it was just like everyone was doing their own version of it and changing the words to suit them. So if you can do something that is, uh, that people can actually, you know, change around and do their own version of as well, that right. also massively helps the sharing of it. I love that. So you kind of answered my next question, which is on like how other people can reverse engineer your success. Anything else to add to that on how to get, make a viral video? Yeah, so so definitely those two would be the main ones. I would say um, the, the truth is as well, you can just never know. I think uh, you have to always just put shit out there because when I, was t- when I thought of this, um, everyone except for my brother, that I said it to thought that it's just this idea ever and it's not going to work. And, like, <laughs> and it's, it's you know, relatively that stupid of an idea when you see other viral videos like that pineapple apple pen video if you saw, which yeah, got like, like 20, the weirdest things go viral. Yeah, you do is something just incredibly weird. Uh, I think that there's always a chance to just, just it's just kind of just do it really. I, I do think you know, trying to be clever and target groups or maybe try posting it somewhere where you think it might be reposted by an account big enough. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not the type of person to, uh, like, I don't follow this advice that I'm going to give next, but I, I heard, uh, I, I was at a workshop with uh, BBC in the UK where they mm-hmm. said you should, you know, like on Twitter and stuff, you should always find you know people that you might want to share it and tag them and mm. you know I, I never do but I hate asking for things and I hate you know being like oh please help me but I mean it apparently does work because at the end of the day if one big person shares it that's your right. off you know yeah exactly I love that advice thank you so much oh my god I'm gonna put it to use guys this is co- this is gold guys I hope you're taking notes um so uh let's switch gears a little bit who do you think is the funniest people besides us the third person, if that's even possible, in the universe, um, the funniest person. The people I find the funniest are, are like non non comedians. I mean, yeah. like that dude with the like. I'm, I kind of find tragic people funny. So that that dude who was wearing the face paint and had the blow up sex doll that we all knew he was having sex with. Um, I know, that yeah, he was, was pretty hilarious. funny. Though. Yeah, he he was pretty funny though. Yeah. But what about comics? Oh, comic wise, um, I mean, I love uh, like Jesus Christ. I mean, like Tim Minchin, uh, Tim Minchin, Stephen Lynch, uh, you know, fucking Mark Norman, Anthony Jeselnik, um, you know, Inchcliffe, uh, Ari Shafir, um, Maria Bamford. Um, there's a lot. Oh, Sam Campbell is uh, he's an Australian comic. He, Probably the funniest I saw at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival two years ago. Um, there's a lot of UK and Irish comics that are just utterly like that are insanely good, like Mark O'Keefe and Jack Horrigan. Um, who else? Uh, my friend Greg's pretty funny. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I like it's just a big random list. I love. See, I kind of even though I'm a, a like a mix between a dark comic and a musical comic, uh, depending on what I feel like doing that day. Um, I kind of, when I'm watching comedy, like, I do obviously watch comedy similar, and I do watch dark comedy, but uh, I kind of really like absurd comedy, because I think, 
I know less about absurd comedy, so if I'm watching it live, I am more surprised. Whereas yeah. with, with comedy that's closer to mine, I'm always analyzing it, you know, while, you know, I'm analyzing lives, you know, so I don't really usually get the same, uh, yeah, Doug Stanhope I didn't mention as well. He's, you know, one of my long time, you know, him and Bill Hicks and, well, Bill Hicks is dead, but, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, all of those people, you know. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. I like that. So um, what do the Irish think of Americans? Of Americans? Is it, was that your question? Yeah, Americans. I decided to change it up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, like, it's, it's just, it depends on the Irish person. I mean, um, like, I personally, uh, I mean, like, if you are in our, like, you get, like, I, I, get, I suppose I can tell you in the sense of, like, you know, when you go to comedy gigs and you see people emceeing, like, if I'm emceeing a gig in Ireland and there's Americans in the crowd, and I actually did last night, I emceed a gig and there was uh, three Americans that I was talking to. I mean, I didn't talk any of the, I hate hack shit and I hate, you know, hammering home on, like, an old point. I don't talk about Trump. I don't talk about any of that shit at all. I try to find out where they're locally from and mm, think of things like that. I'll tell you how I see Americans and then I'll tell you how a lot of the Irish would see Americans. I think America is just uh, has all extremes. It has yeah. the the very the smartest people, the dumbest people. It's just a massive place. I mean, you look at the size of the landmass. Uh, I mean, you know, Jesus Christ. If you if you apply that to to Europe and you see how much the cultures change uh, mm-hmm. over shorter spaces in Europe, I, I I like I think categorizing all Americans is the same is is just ludicrous. I think. You get fucking airy fairy bullshit Americans, and you get like top class Americans. You know, you get every everyone mm-hmm. in between. But I will say that obviously, like the other side of it is how do Irish view Americans? I mean, a lot of Irish love America because it's a big, mm-hmm. you know, thing. But then there's a lot of yeah. Irish who are like, oh, you know, dumb Americans, you know. But yeah, you, like yeah. usually, those people aren't that right themselves either, you know. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, like most MCs in gigs in Ireland. It, when people say I'm American, they go, "Oh, Donald Trump, you, uh, you know, five years ago, you used to be all fucking loud, but now you're quiet because of Donald Trump." And it's just like, and I don't mind that, like, you know, I don't mind what they're saying there, right? but it's okay. just you hear it every single fucking time, and it's like, Jesus Christ, if if I was abroad as an Irish person, I, I wouldn't want to be hearing the exact same stereotype uh, at every gig, you know. Right, for sure. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Okay, now I'm going to ask the other question we had anyway. What do the Irish think of immigrants? And are there that, a lot of immigrants coming to Ireland? Because I feel like you guys are coming out more than I hear. But like, uh, what are your- so we, uh, there's a saying that the Irish don't take over by invading. We take over by infesting. Um, <laughs> so funny. that's kind of what we've done throughout history. Uh, we love them. We are, like, Ireland is a very... Uh, like liberal, I mean, our our elected parties are actually uh, center right conservative, uh, but uh, the people in general are extremely liberal. Uh, obviously, you factions of everyone, but you don't really have like you don't have a far right in Ireland. Um, in general, we we love immigrants. We like uh, the Irish are like our general manner and demeanor is like we'll get on with you if you are if you're sound is what we say, but sound just means nice. It's kind of like if you want to be friends with me, I'll be friends with you. That's, mm-hmm. We're just mm-hmm. like, for the crack is what we say, which is an Irish term. Crack just means fun. So it's just like, 
Yeah, like I mean, honestly, I I do think naturally we're very we're very non-racist at all. I mean, we we really judge people on the content of their character and shit. We we like because we also know our own history. You know, Ireland was oppressed by England for mm-hmm. eight hundred years. Right. Um. You know, so that's it's part of our identity, and then we've also traveled everywhere. Um. So we know that we are immigrants everywhere. Uh, you know, literally all over the right. world. So. We treat immigrants well, um, and I, I think I think that's why it works too. Because at the end of the day, um, people respond to how you treat them. So if you treat yes. people bad, they're like people like a dickhead. They're going to act like a dickhead. But if you treat yes. them well, they'll respond well. So we have a pretty good relationship with immigrants. Yeah, for sure. So, um, what do you feel like is the difference between Irish humor versus American humor? Um. I think Irish humor is like in America. I I I find that it's actually very kind of. There's a it's a very big difference actually between both Irish and UK humor. Uh, uh, like Irish UK and Australian was closer to each other than American. I think like a friend of mine actually said this recently. Who who he'd been gigging in New York for about a year, and he said that he thinks that um. It, it, it may be like an, an anxiety that Americans have or like not being really comfortable with themselves that their style of humor is more like boom oh I you know it's, it's all this bit it's all like so what about Swedish people hey whereas like Irish and UK humor we can stand on stage and we can like you know we can build uh we, you know we can build attention and we can I think we have a lot more drier humor and we have a lot more there's a lot more drier and more sarcastic yes. humor, and I think more yeah. self-deprecating in general. Uh, mm-hmm. Particularly Irish humor is very, very self-deprecating. Whereas in America, it's uh, it feels like most Americans have like a very similar, at least at like the, the you know the book show level or the open mic level. Uh, obviously not at the tip-top level where comedians have fully defined their uh, their sets, but uh, at, at the general level. I feel uh, American, uh, they're, they're, they're a lot more similar to each other than, uh, I think you get a lot more characters in Ireland and the UK that are like just clearly very different. I mean, like like an Irish act could stand on stage for a minute and be building the tension without necessarily getting like laughs for a minute. You obviously mm-hmm. still want that. You want a big pop. But I think Irish humor, you can be building a narrative uh, mm-hmm. more so than being afraid of not, you know, being afraid of, oh, I need to hit right. four last a minute, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are much more poetic and more creative in, in terms of, like, a, like, a lit- like, you guys are writers and artists, I feel. Um, so. Yeah, I, 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 yeah the, the, the saints and scholars, the fucking, yeah, pretty much, I mean, I, I think that comes with oppression as well, though. Uh, if you're oppressed, then... <laughs> What you yeah. gotta do? You're you're poor. You're just gonna yeah. write songs and poetry, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. It's hilarious and true. Uh, okay, so let's talk about like what's the Edinburgh Festival really like? Uh, it's amazing. It's my favorite time of the year. Uh, every year. When is it? Uh, it's it's like it's August. It's the it's the month of August. So it's twenty four. Maybe days. can I come? Oh wait, how much is it? Is it free? What is how this? Much? Yeah. Well, you mean to just come and watch? Like, obviously, yeah, you come and watch, you can get on. But you can also, like, run your own show. Um, I mean, it's not expensive. Like, 
not, it's relatively not expensive. Obviously, flying over from the States and shit, you don't incur costs like that. I mean, accommodation, you're probably paying about a thousand sterling for a month uh, on average. I've heard what people pay sterling? 1500 I've heard people pay 700 Huh? Wait, wait, wait. What is sterling? This this is a new concept. Sterling, what is it, it, like, I say, I say it's about $1,200. Um... To like $150. On average, you can you could get it cheaper, you could get it more expensive for the accommodation. And then like if you're running your show, so you got twenty five nights in a row, sixty uh, percent of the shows are on what's called the free fringe. There's two okay. companies that do the free fringe and the deal for the free fringe is basically that you get uh, a room for free, you pay like a, a small equipment fee of like um about hundred and twenty dollars, uh, mm. and then you uh, uh you basically you have to get going to the program, which is another like three hundred and fifty dollars, and then you also do your own advertising, so your flyers and your posters, and mm-hmm. um, so you you kind of you you add all that up, and then you, you have twenty five nights in a row, and what you do is uh, your show is free to get into, but you have a bucket collection at the end. So some people go to the fringe and they lose money. Most people. I think a lot of people break even or some people make money. It kind of depends on the venue you have. And it also just depends on how good your bucket speech is or how good of a, like, I was going to say how good of a comedian you are, but the mm-hmm. truth is that uh, a lot of it depends on your bucket speech. I mean, la- mm-hmm. last year we talked about it, how, like, the quality of the show you've just done doesn't reflect in the bucket at all. It always, it always, right. It's always that last one minute of the show and how well you sell that you mm-hmm. need people to put money in that bucket. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, last year I did pretty well. Um, it would have been my fourth year doing it. Uh, like, the first year I did pretty fucking bad. I definitely lost money. Um, but uh, last year was pretty well. I definitely covered all my costs and made a little nice. bit. Um, but oh it's, but it's, a, it's an amazing, as in, like, the reason it's so good, though, is, so first of all, you're doing an hour, depending on, like, I mean, last year I did two shows. One was, a split half an hour each and another one was a compilation and the year right. before I did like an hour but, uh, but basically you get so much better because you know you're you're doing that like fucking hour for 25 nights in a row so by like night 18 you're so sharp um, <laughs> you're doing so but as well as that I mean it's a town that is full, a city that is just full of full of people it's the biggest arts festival in the world and it's full of comedians for a month. So you're hanging out with comedians all month, you know, basically, just, you know, going to cool bars and like cool VIP areas when you have your performers pass, chilling with comedians, running, doing shows, you have your own show, you're going on other friends shows. So, you know, you can do a lot of like, I mean, a friend of mine broke the records last year for the most amount of gigs at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Uh, he wow. did, I think it was a 200, 212 gigs what? over... Oh 25 God. days. That's amazing. So, uh, so like, you know, you can, you, and you also, you get so much better over that time period right. uh, just by doing that. It's just extremely fun. You, you know, especially when you, when you do it year on year, you know, like I, I can't wait to meet all the friends I met the la- over the last few years, you know, every year. And you kind of, you develop a, a very international crew okay. of the comedians that you like, and that you hang with. Uh, it's, it's definitely my favorite time of the year, to be honest. It's, uh, That's- I would highly recommend doing it. If you were thinking about doing it, you'd have to apply right now for this year. Um, you'd have yeah, uh, I think Laughing Horse. There's like Laughing Horse is one of the companies that runs the free festival. Another one is PBH. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, so you just look both of them up um, and uh, and apply to them. But I'd say you're probably uh, it's always worth showing it in. Um, you, you you never know. Laughing horses applications went out uh, on Stephen on Boxing Day or the 26th of December, and they would they'll start offering slots to people in late February, early March. Mm-hmm. And then PBH, they opened their things in October, but I mean, you never know, PBH usually take really, really, really long to get back to people. So it, it might still be worth, it's worth, you know, it's always worth showing an application to everywhere. P- PBH are a bit, uh, their relationship with Laughing Horse is a bit like Israel with Palestine. Um, so, uh, PBH demand that you don't apply to anyone else, uh, but you just disregard that. Uh, just apply to them and apply to everyone else because they don't fucking know anyway. Um, you know? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not going to perform this year. I just want to see how the venue is because it sounds amazing from everyone who I've talked to you about this. Uh, and thanks for the in-depth advice. I've definitely wanted... Oh, uh, yeah. If you, if, you, if you go, just go for you go for a week or however long yeah, you yeah, want. Yeah, I just wanted to um, check it out, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, obviously get on to me if you're going and I'll, I'll get you some spots. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, what advice do you have for new comics? Uh, don't start. It's, uh, I'm trying to do my dreams and I don't need any more. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. okay. <laughs> then fuck it. No, uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I look really, realistically. Sorry about that? No, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so, like, realistically, um, like, first of all, if you write regularly you're probably beating 99% of comedians because most comedians get comfortable with a set and then they like just get very complacent so write a lot obviously watch a lot just always be respectful realize that every six months you're probably at least in the first five to ten years every six months you'll probably look back six months ago and realize you were shit like this happens every six months because uh, you you get you get better and you realize more things and then you look back and you cringe at old videos. Um, you need delusion to start. Like to, like I look back at my first gig or two that like I thought I was great then. And I, the more you learn, the less confidence you have in yourself. Um, so I think it's good to have that delusion because it's required to make yourself to continue getting up. But uh, just keep keep doing it. Keep getting up. Keep writing. Um, uh, but always, you know, don't ever, don't ever get too big for your boots. You know, just, mm-hmm. ever, you know, just always be nice. Don't suffer fools either. Obviously, you know, yes. mm-hmm. I, I think I think it's very different in the states than it is here in the sense that yeah. I, I've heard comics give advice and tell me about situations in the states too, where it seems a lot more toxic and nasty over there. As in, yes. I've heard about comedians actually giving bad advice to other comedians. Mm-hmm. Uh, them that bad jokes are good so that they'll keep doing them and there's not that competitiveness there's not that like you know just I, I just think just don't be a dickhead you know just yeah. just mm-hmm. like every comedian is different no comedian is uh exactly, gonna yeah. steal your, everyone is your own thing yeah exactly yeah, it's, you're selling a, a very individual product and as well as that you need a scene you don't need um like it's not like you're a fucking, like, even bands need it seems to bring everyone up together. I think the thing is, make friends with comedians that you like, that you get on with naturally, um, build those relationships naturally as you would, keep doing gigs, keep getting better, and then eventually when you're a couple years in or whenever, you'll be able to probably help each other out, you know? Yes, yeah, the, this is great. So uh, what was your first open mic experience like? 
Uh, so my first gig, my first kind of gig when I did stand up, um, it was it was actually pretty good. Like it was uh, it was like a seven minute spot in uh, in like a nice theater in Amsterdam. Um, and then I, I I'm trying to think like there was you see before I came to America I never spot that was less than five minutes you know uh, and I'm usually doing usually doing ten or twenty twenty five uh, I like and five to sevens if it's like an open mic here um, and. Like, I mean, I, I don't know my first open mic experience. I mean, my first few gigs were all in Amsterdam and it was expat kind of communities watching the gigs. So it was all very, uh, it was all much more supportive than I think it would be if I was doing it in the UK where it's uh, a real proper scene, you know. Um, so I didn't really have any, like, bad open mic experiences, but I, mean, I think the open mic scene in the States, in, in the way, the open mic scene would eat you because uh, you're doing three minutes and you're coming on to a cold room full of comedians uh, and I don't really think it's a natural uh, it's not like it's not really a show in the way that a show would be you're not going to get the natural reaction so that's why I would be weary about moving I'm only going to move to the state to, when I can bypass completely those scenes and the only way to do that is to make the network uh, in the meantime with uh, US so uh, that's, I mean, that, I know I kind of went off track there, but uh, it's just that there's not really the same kind of open mic experiences here as there is over there. Yeah, for sure. And um, before we talk about how we can stalk you online, uh, what would you do if you rule the world? Uh, if I rule the world, jeez. Um, I don't know. I'll uh, probably... Um, I mean, I'd, I'd be I'd be a very compassionate overlord, you know. Um, as as long as I am the overlord, then I'm going to be compassionate to everyone. I, uh, I mean, I'm sure I'll be getting natural perks uh, of 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 people knowing I rule the world. So I'd let all of that happen. I'd probably make a and apologize to everyone um, for uh, for basically colonizing everyone and. Uh, and all the atrocities committed. Uh, I'd make England, I'd, I'd change the name of London to London. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know the history of that, but there's a, there's a place in Ireland called Derry. Uh, England changed the name of it to London Derry, which is a very pathetic uh, alpha male move. So yeah, I'd change the name of London to Derry London and I'd make England apologize to everyone. And uh, I'd reap in all the benefits. I'm sure I'd Sure, I'd have a lot of girls that would be uh would be into me if I was ruling the world. So I I just I just do that and be nice to everyone. Um, you know, just make England make England the beta country, and everyone else is cool. Okay. okay. Um. So all right. Um. Uh, oh my. Uh, okay, so how can we stop you online? How can we book you? How can we continue the conversation? Um, stop me online at uh, Instagram uh, and Twitter uh, is Richie Sheehy or H-E-E-H-Y. That's the same for YouTube as well, I think. And uh, Facebook is that's what my name is on Facebook, like page. Uh, or it's forward slash Richie Shiggy Music because I set that up before I was a comedian. 
Um, you stop me in real life if you live in Dublin. Um, preferably if you're at least mildly attractive. That'd be awesome. Um, other than that, I think that's all it. RichieSheehy.com, R-I-C-H-Y-S-H-E-E-H-Y. Again, um, that's pretty much it. That's how you can stalk me online. Um, only my stalkers, though. I already get a, I get a mix of, uh, of, of like and hate mail. Uh, I don't really like to hate mail, so it's better sending me that. I love any sort of attention, so please direct your hate mail to me. Uh, so, but no, you're awesome. I learned so much from this interview. I really appreciate it. Um, you're one of the up and, you know, coming Irish comedians. You already made a big on viral videos. Like you showed us how to do it ourselves. So in my book, you're amazing. Um, so thank you so much, Richie. I really appreciate it. Uh, hope to see you at the Edinburgh Festival. Seriously, I'm, I'm so down now. I uh, appreciate it. Absolutely awesome. Thanks a million. Yeah, anytime.